Hi everyone, it's me Alexa. On this week's podcast episode, I'm joined by Sila Lee, the CEO of a beauty tech 3D printing cosmetic startup originating here in Stockholm, Sweden called Allure. I recorded this episode solo with Sila, but as a lipstick addict, I didn't really need a co-host because we had plenty to discuss and I know you're going to love this episode even if you're not into cosmetics because Sila's journey is truly inspiring. You're really going to feel her passion. Sila grew up in China and studied a bachelor's in industrial engineering at Tongji University, where she also did an exchange semester in Germany and ultimately decided to pursue her master's here in Sweden. Sila and I connected about a year and a half back and I've been following her journey into 3D printed cosmetics ever since. If you want to find out more about Allure, check out their website at elllure.se or you'll find it linked in the description below. Let's get into the episode and hear all about the journey from Sila herself. Thank you for joining us uh, today on the Unipreneurs podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's really nice to have you here. We had Sila participate in an event of ours, I think back in February or March? The Creative Square. Uh, yeah, you were at Creative Square, but also mm-hmm. you came to one of our Unipreneurs uh, meetups. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a live kind of Q&A with Sila mm-hmm. and Robin, mm-hmm. who were answering questions about their journey, getting started mm-hmm. um, with their ventures and how they were students who kind of started their own mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And I think people really, really enjoyed that event. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so today we're kind of going to repeat that, but mm-hmm. on the <laughs> podcast recorded so everybody can listen to it. Nice. Uh, so tell us a bit about your background and how you ended up in Sweden. Yes, yeah, so, well, I grew up in China up until my uh, bachelor. Uh, so in a city called Tianjin, maybe the, <laughs> the audience don't really know it, but it's actually a big metropolitan next to Beijing. And, cool. and then I went to university in Shanghai. I studied industrial design, mm-hmm. and then I went to Europe for my master's. It's uh, I got actually a scholarship, so I was like, hmm, com- like then I don't need to pay tuition, and then I get uh, I think a thousand euro a month. Yeah, it was and part of the EIT program. Yeah, I was I was like EIT is so it's I'm so grateful for them. And uh, yeah, and then the first year I went to the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and then the second year I went to KTH, the Royal Institute of Technology in Sweden. So and then I stayed. And where were you studying in the Netherlands? Is University of Twente. Okay. It's in Enschede, on the border of the Netherlands and Germany. It's a small university town, I would say. Cool. And was that your first time in Europe? Uh, I actually went here in 2013 for one year of exchange mm-hmm. in Germany. Uh, that was in Essen. Okay, yeah. Not the best place to be uh, <laughs> in Germany, not the prettiest one, but uh, it has a good, uh, how to say, history of design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And how did you originally get involved with entrepreneurship? 
if you've asked the very first time, I think it was when I was, I don't know, 14, I was trying to trade roses on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they used to sell flowers at my school yeah. and like, deliver them during like your fourth class. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but um, so I was not so clear. I Actually, I remember when I write my master application and they were asking us to have a startup idea and I, I don't remember what I wrote but they were I but I remember I asked a, a friend who studied business was like can you look at my startup idea and he was like you should write your USP I was like what is USP <laughs> and I was yeah I just remember I was struggling so long I was like what is USP and now I'm just I, I I've been working with things like this for uh every day so I think it's an <laughs> amazing transformation. And for those who don't know what a USP is? Uh, it's a unique selling point. Yeah. Uh, so it's like... What yeah. makes you different. Yeah. yeah. And so I first uh, get really into entrepreneurship is because I was I was working part-time as a consultant mm -hmm. uh, when I was in the Netherlands and then I met also my co-founder now Mark mm -hmm. and he already had this company and he was doing development I was doing design and then I was one time I was trying to find a developer and we talked and he were we were like okay we, he was like we should start a company because you know <laughs> we can actually make a really good combination we can make a studio together yeah your skills really complement yeah. each other and so then he was like you sh we should register a company. I was like, what? <laughs> and then he he was like, it's super simple. You just go to the and then he took me to do every all the the paperwork. Yeah. And and you registered in the Netherlands. Yeah, it was in I think just maybe four or five months after I arrived. Mm -hmm. So we had the first. It's, it's not um it's not a limited company. It mm -hmm. was kind of like a personal company in the Netherlands, and we. We start to knock on the doors of the incubators. It's like, <laughs> hey, we we just have this new company and we are making websites. We are making, you know, uh, we are doing design. Do you want to hire us? <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was we were lucky. We find a um, really good first client just by doing oh, that. Wow. I think that was the third door we knocked, and it was. Um, it was a biomedical device, and, sh and she yeah, was like, "They need help." <laughs> yeah, and we were like, well, "Yeah, okay, it's not interesting." And yeah, and then we started. <laughs> yeah, I would say usually that's a pretty time-intensive way to find leads, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. but it worked out in your case. Yeah, it was, but I mean, like, then you you should talk about where your target audience mm -hmm. is. If you enter a room where everybody is looking for something, then it's it's quite easy for you to mm -hmm. find something that can give you a potential lead. So actually, I think the place we went to is uh, like a good place to find clients. Mm -hmm. And so what happened with your little design agency? We had it to... Actually, we just closed it because of Elor. So we Yeah, I was to about to ask you if you were still like doing consultant work on the side. Mm, not anymore. It was like... Mm, so now we we are kind of certain that we can get a salary out of it lower. So mm -hmm. we're like, okay, we can close it. Nice. But that must be a good feeling. Yeah, it's like, it's like you raise a baby, and before it was always like, ah, I need resources, and now it's <laughs> finally like, yeah, we we get a bit of uh, sweetness out of it. Mm -hmm. so it's, yeah.
Exciting. So yeah, <laughs> tell us about what a lure is. Yeah, so uh, it's such a difficult question. <laughs> I'm not good at my USP. Uh, so right now, Allure is a uh, purpose-driven brand that we want to set a new standard for the cosmetic industry. And the reason why we started this is we see two, two problems in the society. One being that we are being uh, like inclusivity is being more promoted and people are having more and more diverse requests. And this, uh, the response for, from the cosmetic industry is like, okay, let's produce more shades, let's produce mm -hmm. more, more, more variety of products. But on the other side, the way they're doing it is mass production. Yeah. And that means there's a huge amount of waste. I, I, I can't even find out the number because you're trying to hide it so well. Oh, really? <laughs> I've been trying for two years. I just, <laughs> but... I, what I know right now is that 80% of products people buy are not being used. Yeah, I don't think I've ever fully used a lipstick. Yeah, but also if you think about like your your cream, your yeah. shampoo, you're like, oh, I don't like the smell, so I, I need yeah. to, like, you, you don't really think about and it. And you never even get the full product out either. No. I've been thinking about buying those mini spatulas mm -hmm. to scrape out the last product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, and we... Like, and seeing this, we were just like, okay, we want to change it. We want to, like, coming from KTH, we, we just like, okay, there has to be a way where technology can can change this situation, not only accommodate the diverse need of customers, but mm -hmm. also produce on a very, very responsible way yeah. to produce only on demand. And therefore, we, we've been developing technologies that... Uh, can uh how to say it so i make this comparison it's like a 3d printer for yeah. lipsticks so yeah so now we arrive this point at this point where we can actually uh sell lipsticks and only produce it on demand yeah and right now you have one main formula which is like mm. a liquid matte lipstick yeah and basically you can make almost any shade of lipstick anyone wants. Yeah, well, we did a mathematical calculation. I think you can make two million colors. Oh my but God. <laughs> but out of those two million, a lot are white, different shades of white and black. Oh, and then if you exclude that, um, there are also differences human eye cannot yeah. see. So we say, okay, now we can create 10,000 different colors. But and not every color looks good on everyone either. <laughs> no, we act, yeah, we, I think if, if you're interested, mm -hmm. it, we, we just launched a color interface where you can, you can check your, your skin color with the lipstick color mm -hmm. and you can really see the difference. Some, like, some dark color, it looks very, very, like, really weird on mm -hmm. pale skin. But yeah. if you have darker skin, it just looks really, like, really, really nice. Yeah, so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, we, we always talk about it, and then when we are building it, we're like, okay, we didn't really, we didn't understand enough how big the difference mm -hmm. was. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, actually, because um, during the spring, or was it the fall, when I was finishing up my master's, we actually had to look into the beauty tech industry mm -hmm. for one of my courses, mm -hmm. um, and kind of brainstorm around that, and then one team actually went and pursued it for their research project. Mm -hmm. Uh, for that class to research what kind of startups and technologies coming up in that mm -hmm. space and what are like the big companies in that area mm -hmm. think of it and big companies like L'Oreal for mm -hmm. example they are starting to look more at beauty tech and mm -hmm. what they can acquire mm -hmm. into their own portfolio mm -hmm. and I think 
especially coming from a technological institute where you study mm -hmm. it, it's like everything, I mean, you're already aware of the power of mm -hmm. technology and what it can do. And now that you started this company a year or two ago, mm -hmm. uh, you're going into it already knowing that you're going to incorporate mm -hmm. like, yeah, a better color selector online that you can mm -hmm. match with your skin tone or even, I don't know, implementing AR in the future mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that to see how it would look on you. Mm -hmm. And that's something that all these major companies are already starting mm -hmm. to look into mm -hmm. buying mm -hmm. because they're scared. Yeah. Because <laughs> of um, <laughs> brands like Glossier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nobody thought or everybody said Glossier couldn't get a stake in the market mm -hmm. because it was already so many players. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were in New York. We were actually doing a field study and we went to the Glossier kind of pop-up store mm -hmm. and it was so popular and it was so different compared to all the other players in the market mm -hmm. and I think they are leading the trend and and now instead of making kind of like um, like a, only a display room yeah the brands are changing into kind of more like a salon mm -hmm. it's more cozy mm -hmm. it's like a dressing room and an experience yeah but they were originally direct to consumer weren't yeah they? They, they, are on, they were online and then the it's only special occasions when they have yeah. physical places. And direct to consumer, that means that they're not selling through like department mm. uh, stores or like your local pharmacy or anything. Mm. They're selling directly online to mm. customers. Yeah. Yeah. And the good part of that is that normally if like what if you buy something from uh, like a department store or some uh, or pharmacy, uh, the revenue or like the cost of the product I think minimum 30% or sometimes even 50% mm -hmm. would go to the department store. And this oh, that's quite a markup. <laughs> <laughs> this leaves actually really small space for brands to, to put into their ingredients yeah. and their, their product. And that's why sometimes you, you buy, you get, you end up with really shitty products. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was thinking as well, when I listened to Emily Weiss give a talk about why she started Glossier, she originally had a beauty blog, actually. Mm -hmm. And she realized that women were really struggling to find, like, just good, consistent products that mm -hmm. they could use. They didn't want to just buy what was trendy mm -hmm. or what the magazines told them was brand mm -hmm. new. Mm -hmm. Magazines were never really telling them what was the best. Mm -hmm. And so that's what her blog was doing. And then she decided, well, why don't I just create products mm -hmm. that are the best? Mm -hmm. And I really related to it when I heard that because I feel like when I was younger mm -hmm. and like a preteen, I would buy whatever trendy coral lipstick was out, <laughs> even though it didn't look good on me at all. <laughs> coral shades do not look good on pale blondes. Um, uh, but now it's like, I don't want to buy, yeah, like whatever's trendy. I, mm -hmm. I know what colors look good on me and I just want really good quality stuff that's going to last a long time. Mm -hmm. And that looks pretty too mm -hmm. <laughs> both on me and mm -hmm. in the packaging yeah that's a good attitude and then also with the beauty industry mm -hmm. now we see how they've gotten so much backlash for like lack of diversity mm -hmm. and being inclusive in their skin tones and also just like promoting this kind of thing that you have you're only pretty when you wear makeup mm -hmm. yeah yeah that i yeah instead I'm of enhancing your natural beauty yeah yeah totally agree i think um, yeah, I, I just think we need more customers like you. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did the idea for Allure come to you then? Mm, I have to be honest, it was not originally my idea. 
um, I I was in a group chat. It was like a student chat yeah. in, on KTH. And then somebody was like, uh, any designer here is want to help with this 3D print cosmetic project? And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I actually went out and met the people that was doing the ideas. And um, yeah, and then we, I was hooked by the idea, especially um, for me, um, how to say, like, because I studied industrial design and mm -hmm. I always have this thought that, um, like, you know, in industrial design, um, products are de designed or they are destined with mm -hmm. a limited lifespan. Like a car yeah. has a lifetime of 10 years. After 10 years, um, like, you can't drive it anymore. But this is a new invention. It doesn't mm -hmm. exist for antique cars. So I was like, okay, I don't like this concept of constantly putting material yeah. into the society without thinking about what is what the future generation is going to mm -hmm. need. And then I thought, okay, if you can create um, personalized cosmetics, mm -hmm. which is adding kind of like um, another layer of differences mm -hmm. on the material good, you can actually help people to stop buying so much yeah and that's why i was like okay i will i will work on this project mm -hmm. and i think i did part time of my classes and but then unfortunately my other the two that came up with the idea they left mm -hmm. um because of personal reasons and then i was the only one for i maybe half a year or some something yeah. like that and, and then I was lucky enough to find my other two co-founders. Yeah, so how <laughs> did you find them? <laughs> um, yeah, um, so one, it's like, I, as I mentioned before, Mark, we had a company together mm -hmm. already. So he he was working as a consultant for Allure. And okay. he, was, he was already working with us, but he was not like part of the team. And then... And what was he working on as a consultant for you guys? He actually is a really good consultant. He he's supposed to work on like we had also an augmented reality uh, interface, mm -hmm. and he was working on that, and he was working on the, some part of the algorithms to compose co the colors, and but he was also helping us to drive a truck when mm -hmm. we need to have a pop-up <laughs> story, and he was driving a truck at twelve at midnight or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and your other co-founder. Yeah, so my other co-founder, Jasmine, she is actually a funny story. She was actually one time um, a customer or like a test user. Mm -hmm. So I think back in 2018, we have this idea of like making customized cosmetics, but we don't know if we need to sell a machine to people or we need mm -hmm. to sell a service or sell a product. So coming from a design background, I was like, okay, now we need to do kind of like a user test. Mm -hmm. And Jasmine was one of the person that came to the test and she was <laughs> she was trying to... And how did she hear about it? She was a friend the, of, uh, okay. like, just like friend of a friend or mm -hmm. something. Through we post an ad. News. No, we actually put an ad on Facebook. Oh, okay, wow. <laughs> it was just like, do you want to have a free 3D printed lipstick and have a 30 minute interview with us and you get it. Nice. Uh, and what is Jasmine working with? Uh, right now. Um, so 
she's we are we are all working how to say we don't really have a clear boundary mm -hmm. uh but she's mainly working together with customers mm -hmm. so like if for example the branding and uh, like uh, she's also managing the social media, but she's also trying to, you know, communicate customer, do validations, mm. do they like this kind of formulation, do they like that kind of formulation, yeah. Yeah, Jasmine already actually has quite a following on social media, doesn't she? Yeah, she's, uh, she's, <laughs> I'm very proud of her, she's, she's a professional athlete as well, she was three times the national champion in Sweden. Oh, for what? Uh, triple jump. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then I guess she just kind of had to teach herself how to run mm -hmm. social media. I mean, uh, that's the whole thing, I guess, in entrepreneurship. You just have... Mm -hmm. Nobody really knows what they're doing or how to do something <laughs> if it wasn't something they studied. And even if you studied it, mm -hmm. you don't always know how to apply it in reality. Yeah. And so it's, it's like you just have to teach so yourself fast. along mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Um, how did you feel you were ready to start a venture? It kind of sounds like you just really happened into it. Um, no, yes and no. Um, so, for the first company, uh, I already know that I don't want to work for other people. Mm -hmm. Because I was working for uh, like a really big international consultancy. Mm -hmm. I had a gap year and then I was working there and I was like, ah. I, Basically, I, I asked my boss to go to one of the client meetings where he, you know, it was the first client meeting. He was doing proposals and so on. Yeah. And I was like, are you asking that much for this project? I'm like, it doesn't make sense. And then I was like, okay, I can earn more. Just to attend the meeting? Uh, no, like, I mean, basically, when you are a consultancy and you have a client, you, you give a proposal. Okay, yeah, like a pitch. project yeah. would, would cost. And there I learned the business logic mm. of consultancies. And I was like, you know, it's better to do it yourself. <laughs> and in, instead of being managed by, um, like, just a name of a... Yeah. It, it's also like a brand name of yeah. consultancies. Um, and then there I already know that I don't want to work for other people. I want to mm. work for myself. It was, yeah, like, how did I want to start at Lore? Um... I don't know. I think it was just you cannot give up. It's it's like if you the idea stuck to you. Yeah, it's <laughs> grow inside you. It's like a baby. You, it's just like I I can't let it be there, and mm -hmm. I have to take care of it. And I think after some time, you know, okay, this is what I should do. Mm -hmm. How much experience do you think one needs to have before starting a venture? I don't. Or is it better to be naive? <laughs> I think it's better to be naive. Like. It's I I was reading something about like what what is the spirit of being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and it's about that you always see something that you want to change and you can always challenge the status quo and and if you already if like you if you're an accountant and you already know like there are so many things that you need to you need to know or get familiar with but before you can start something then you're just afraid of you, you. You're just being afraid of what's in front of you. Mm. But if you don't know anything, you're afraid of nothing. <laughs> Have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? Yeah, actually, I didn't know that word until yeah. I read this. But I don't think so. I'm right the opposite of it. Like 
like I I I know that there it there must be a way to accomplish something. That mm -hmm. if if you want to do something, there must be a way for you to achieve it, and you just need to find it. That's a good attitude to have. So you've never like walked into a room, I guess, when you're at a big startup event and felt mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm like way younger than everyone here, or like I'm one of the only girls. <laughs> that I sometimes have. Like sometimes I wouldn't. I, but I, it never intimidates you. I feel more happy. Like yeah. if you're the youngest in the room, mm -hmm. you should be happier. Proud. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I guess it's never really intimidated me either, mm -hmm. but I know it does scare a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know why it happened, but... Mm. And then I know I've, like, I mean, I think I've suffered from imposter syndrome quite a bit, especially on, like, the startup journey when you have to teach yourself teach yourself something you don't know at all mm -hmm. and just start doing it I mean you always kind of feel a bit uncertain on the way and like mm -hmm. maybe I didn't research this beforehand enough mm -hmm. but then it's also a matter of like okay well do I spend another week researching it or do I just already start to like test mm -hmm. it and mm -hmm. iterate on it and I usually do the latter mm -hmm. and I mean that served me pretty well mm -hmm. <laughs> along the way um that's the lean Starbucks exactly yeah. exactly uh but, yeah, I mean, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but I think uh, sometimes you just have to go for it because everybody at some point, I don't think there's anybody who's 100% confident in their own mm. skills. Mm. And if you do have a weakness, then you can always complement that with another team member. Mm. Yeah, it feels, I after sometimes when Jasmine's around me, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. So how many hours a week do you spend working on Allure? Oh. And how has that changed over time? I stopped counting. <laughs> I mean, it's sometimes you start, you, you you try to relax and you're watching a series and you're like, mm -hmm. but I want to do that. And then you start doing that. And then you're like, yeah. uh, I guess times that except that I'm... I'm cycling to the office, mm -hmm. that I'm eating. Sometimes I'm eating and thinking about it, and I'm sleeping. <laughs> but that's not a very good thing, I would say. Yeah. Like, you need time to also rest. Do you find time to hang out with friends still? Okay, and time that yeah. I hang out with good, friends. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were still studying, how did you kind of find that work-study-life balance? Mm. I would say the study was not super intense yeah it was the same for me yeah. i feel like that studies in sweden in general <laughs> <laughs> you study like 40 50 percent of the time and then you yeah. kind of every everybody here has like a side job mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and work i mean it was a hobby before yeah i just treated it as a hobby and then it became a work yeah that's i mean that's a good way to have it too yeah and I guess you also had an interest in beauty and cosmetics. Mm, not in cosmetics. I was interested in, in a lot in skincare, mm. um, but more the chemistry behind it. I always like to read the back of the ingredients list. I'm just like, what is that? What is that? Because I was like, I don't, I don't want people to put things that I don't know yeah. on me. 
And I think we've really seen a shift there lately the past mm-hmm. few years, too, especially with the ordinary, like just mm-hmm. putting the acids and stuff mm-hmm. that are on it as mm-hmm. the main branding of the packaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks like a pharmacy mm-hmm. dropper bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I think like 10 years ago, people would be like, what the heck? I'm not putting mm-hmm. this on my face. <laughs> like it's an acid. It's going to mm-hmm. burn my skin. Mm-hmm. And now for all those skincare junkies, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, using an acid exfoliant mm-hmm. is way better than a sugar mm-hmm. exfoliant, for yeah. example. Like if we are being more and more educated. <laughs> yeah. So what's the hardest part of being a CEO? I don't really consider myself a CEO. We are more like um, like a team that we... Flat hierarchy? Yeah. Um, but sometimes you do have to take responsibilities mm-hmm. and to, to make decisions. What I find is the hardest is that I have all the trust of people on me and have to make the right decision. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, this is the future of some other people that I'm making decision of, mm. am I doing the right decision? So it's more the the trust and the responsibility that make you feel that it's a bit heavy. Mm-hmm. But but I guess also realizing that even very successful business people make mistakes and screw up big time. Yeah. It's yeah. about how you <laughs> handle it after. Yeah. And because another question I was going to ask is how do you view fail failure? Mm. I think it's a good thing. Like, at least you know it's not working. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, like, uh, again, for for the Lean Startup method, the, f- the faster you fail, the better. You f- like, so you, you learn from it. Yeah, so it's I like just that. like... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's so true. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. I mean, failure isn't a bad thing. It's more just like realigning you towards a better path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you find your daily motivation? Ooh. Although it seems like you're just so passionate about <laughs> the idea in general. That uh, honeymoon phase still hasn't worn off. N- no, it's <laughs> not. But, like, it's it's like every day you have a new challenge. I think that's just the, the good part of being in a startup. Like, every day you have to solve something. And I really like to solve problems. I when I was a kid I was really into uh, solving puzzles mm-hmm. I could just sit there and solving puzzles for the entire day without eating <laughs> and I think that's still in me like if there's a problem I just like ah I have to solve it <laughs> that child's still in you <laughs> <laughs> um, so to spin it around a bit mm-hmm. how were you able to bring your idea to reality like where did you go and what resources were available to you mm-hmm. and what supporters did you have oh we have we've been we've been super lucky i think i think in the very early stage we were supported by kth innovation mm-hmm. and i think we were one of the favorite kids <laughs> so we we got uh, yeah and um, and then later on, we are also supported by Vinova. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't know what Vinova is. It's the Swedish Innovation Agency. If you are having a startup in Sweden, you should really check out Innovative Startup Step 1. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of European and even American, I think it exists in the U.S. too, but you can apply to that in mm. a lot of places. Mm. Each kind of country has their own mm. innovation agency you can mm. apply to for funding. Mm. Or if not, then just the universities or sometimes mm. even companies have mm. their own funds mm. as well. Yeah. 
uh, so that it's the, like kind of like the innovation uh, society. And right now we are supported by Two Space. Actually, when we get out of KTH Innovation, mm -hmm. we were looking for a workshop. And I just Googled online and then I find this place. <laughs> and I called the owner, I was like, can I go to 3D print something? He was like, I'm sorry, I'm actually on, on my, in my summer house on an island, but okay. can you come back in a month? I'm like, ah, that's too late. But then we were lucky and it was, um, it, it's like um, co-working hard, hardware workshop here. Yeah. So we were able to do so much things. <laughs> you needed space with tools. Yeah, and <laughs> we got, I think, half a year. Uh, For uh, free. Yeah, and it was so helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're currently recording, actually, and mm -hmm. where Allure is sitting today. And so, yeah, was it here where you first 3D printed the lipsticks, or was that on KTH campus? I think we already, we did it in, on KTH campus. Uh, I think we built already five machines mm -hmm. already back in KTH, but then we did some more sophisticated uh, stuff here. Mm -hmm. And who were your first supporters? You mean in terms of customers? Yeah. Um, we have... I think we have, um, like, of course, friends and family, but mm -hmm. other than that, like, we call them the the creators. <laughs> like, people that are, like, millennials that either, like, you're a designer or you're, like, a content creator mm -hmm. or, like, uh, like for example, a creative strategist. And you have this creative vibe in you and you are sometimes looking for out-of-the-box beauty products. Yeah. And... And then you're also very fond of the idea of sustainability mm -hmm. and also diversity. Uh, yeah, we were able to find, I think, we, we got a group of uh, mailing list of uh, 600 people. That's that amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and sometimes we receive uh, messages on Instagram, like, we are so grateful for you to do this. And then, like, um, and then you just feel so, you're melting in your heart. And you're like, <laughs> what I'm doing is really recognized by the community now. Yeah, and just imagine when it continues to grow and spread. I feel like it'll be a lot of word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's m usually what happens mm -hmm. in the beauty community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Girls love to talk about cosmetics. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like imagining, I remember when all my friends bought like the Kylie lip kit, mm -hmm. uh, the like lipsticks that Kylie Jenner makes, mm -hmm. and it, they're so expensive. <laughs> and it's also like a matte liquid lipstick. Mm -hmm. And they just swear by them. And you guys are kind of doing the same thing, but then you can customize your own shade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so where, what are the next steps for Allure? And where do you see yourself in a year? Uh, so hopefully next year, this time, we will have a pop-up store in Paris. Ooh. <laughs> and you've had a pop-up store before here in Stockholm at the mall. Yes. Uh, that was already back in 2018. Uh, so we were testing the, the operations and so on, but uh, yeah, so it's that's what we plan to do in a year. Uh, so we why Paris? We actually find a really good uh, French uh, partner oh, that nice. is like um, it's called Cap Digital. So mm -hmm. they have con connection with all the big retailers mm -hmm. in France. So. Oh, I forget to mention, so now we are also supported by EIT Digital and we got a grant 
and also that's we part got, of the EU for those who don't know. Yeah, like to the spur EU, innovation and technology. Yeah, kind of like the EU twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, like we, through them, we are also able to find like like bigger partners, mm-hmm. and that's why we found this French. Um, partner and then we want to set up a test spot in Paris because mm-hmm. that's where all <laughs> the trends all the yeah it's the fashion mecca fashion yeah. and beauty mecca yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so in five years my hope is that we'll have a I'm gonna say a techie term so like a decentralized network mm-hmm. of uh, machines that can make customized products I Lipstick is the first product mm-hmm. we are making because it's very symbolic. Yeah. But then our technology can actually make way more products than only lipstick. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a smoothie. I don't know. Uh, or if yeah, if eyeliners. Yeah, that's definitely. Watch out, Urban Decay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, we hope to have this network, and then you can just order online and then you can go to your closest printer to get mm-hmm. your freshly produced beauty product. That's awesome. <laughs> then I guess it would be focused on the major cities. Yeah, like like we I think we calculated like every every second there are 48 lipsticks sold in the world mm-hmm. and in order to cover that demand we need to have around the world 3000 printers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a lot of printers, no, if you not. think about it. Yeah. But it's so. interesting to see how you calculated that. And actually, <laughs> another question that comes to mind, you guys haven't raised external financing, not like from venture capital. No, no. Is that because you already have sales of your own and that's enough to fund you? Um, so we... Or do you plan to raise in the future? Mm. We are not so sure yet. It really depends on if we find um, venture capital that is aligned with our vision, mm-hmm. and that's very important for us and can support us. Not only we're not only looking for the money for the venture capitals that are listening to this, <laughs> and um, so yeah. So one reason that we don't really need to raise capital at the first stage is that we get this Vinova grant, yeah. and also that. We were looking, we were just trying to self-study, uh, self-learn how to run a startup and so on. Mm-hmm. And raising venture capital is not the best way to found a startup. Yeah. The best way is to sell your product. Mm-hmm. and If you can. If, if yeah. you can. And I think you guys can in this case. Yeah, it will still take us three years. Yeah. I mean, the first two years it was like a side project. We mm-hmm. don't need to get paid. But then the... Like, I think the last year it was really, we were using our savings and mm-hmm. we are working a little bit on the side to make sure that we can actually reach to the market first. Mm-hmm. And then you have a way better position if you want to negotiate with venture capitals, you have a way better position because you already... show traction. Yeah. yeah. Um, Smart. <laughs> but I think that's also a bit unique with like direct-to-consumer companies, especially aimed towards uh, women, mm-hmm. if it is cosmetics or fashion, and mm-hmm. I mean if it's something people really want or mm-hmm. are attracted to, I a lot of the times you don't actually need venture capital unless you're really trying to scale super mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think something else I want to say is about what we learned is about capital efficiency. Mm-hmm. So like, if I, imagine if you just, you get, I don't know, t- um, two million krona in yeah. your pocket. 
which is like two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's not so much for a company, but for somebody who just started a company, it's, it's a lot a of ton. money. <laughs> but okay. I think any student or recent graduate is going to be like, oh my God, $200,000 that could support me for like six plus years of living. But, but if you, but then it, it's, it's like if you own, if you all of a sudden won a lottery and you're not going to think about where you spend your money mm. there and then you become like you spend money where you should not have spent it mm. and then it ran out fast, and yeah. then you have to go again, again, you, again. Then it's, you have a high burn rate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's important to test things and test what works, but you also want to make sure that the decisions you're making to test are worth it yeah. and likely to work mm -hmm. out. Yeah, and you and don't you should always... just pump in, like, $10,000 into Facebook ads if no. you've never even tested Facebook no. ads. But Start with, like, 10 <laughs> and then 100 <laughs> Yeah, it's like you don't... A lot of things you don't have to pay for. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Simon Sinek, but that's something what also we are very, like, we really agree with. It's like you, if you have a vision and you find people that can support you with your vision, mm -hmm. it's not hard to find support. Uh, I have an easy example. For example, we have this uh, very experienced chemist. Uh, it's like um, he's been working with chemistry for maybe three or four decades and at first he knows us as a consultant and of mm. course he's very very expensive but then he just see how we work and our mm. passion and he <laughs> and then we ask him like would you like to become a mentor of mm. us of course we don't want to take advantage of him yeah but you, you want to learn from him yeah like you can actually get support if you're really really passionate about what you're doing mm. like People are missing that in mm. their life. Mm. Like, I imagine somebody who's doing their everyday job, and all of a sudden, somebody like, "Hey, I have this thing. <laughs> do it with me." Like, yeah, it feels good to be wanted. Mm. But also, he he's a paint expert, mm. so I yeah. guess it's also a fun challenge for him to dig into cosmetics, since you mm. said they're so similar. Yeah, but like for example, we also have suppliers that normally uh, we have a French supplier that's been helping us for a long time mm -hmm. normally you need to you need to hire a chemist you need to deal with like all these different ingredients and so on but our supplier was also we pitched to them and they were like okay this is a really interesting idea and then therefore they decided to put some resources into us wow and that's also a bit similar to Demologica <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah wow. and I think one time we I really need some ingredients and I was calling my supplier at eight o'clock at night. I was like, I need it latest by tomorrow. And he, and they were like, they are a French company, and but they have some ingredients in America. They were like, we can try to find if you know our U.S. storage can can send it to you overnight FedEx. Yeah, I'm like a <laughs> hundred yeah. euros shipping. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, that's I think. That's if you if you compare startups as babies, that's how babies get resources. Yeah. They're 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 cute, so yeah. they get resources. <laughs> so you should also try to be cute. <laughs> so how have your friends reacted to you having a venture? Mm, I think some of them see it coming. That mm -hmm. I was always kind of the black sheep. Uh, yeah, some some are counting on me becoming millionaires. 
you'll take them on vacation one day. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think they find it kind of inspiring yeah. to that, like because if you graduate from KDH, the easiest mm. way for you to is to become like. A, I don't know, a consultant yeah. or like you get um, really a, a kind of a good salary mm -hmm. and so on. But then it's it's difficult to say, okay, I can, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And I want to build something of my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have other friends who have started their own businesses? Uh, I have people who started their businesses and then become my friend. Yeah, <laughs> that's what happened to yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, what advice would you give to someone interested in entrepreneurship, like maybe a student interested in starting a venture? Mm. Personally, I think it's good to have people around you that mm -hmm. are working on the same thing because uh, I realize there are two very different kind of mindset, like being your own boss or yeah. being like an employer mindset and the employee yeah. mindset so you should be surrounded by employer mindset people and or entrepreneurs mm -hmm. another way uh, and just start trying and testing you don't need to have a registered a company first mm -hmm. like uh, you just I mean, if you know how to make a rendering, if you have a physical yeah. product, make a rendering, show it to people, ask them, like, you know, does this make sense? Uh, and, um, yeah. And I would also say that if you... It's, it's, it's very important if you can get confirmation in, like, a monetary confirmation yeah. from people. That they'd be willing to buy Yeah, it. like... And I mean, maybe your first idea is not the best idea, but be, if you find out, okay, nobody's willing to pay for it, maybe you have to think twice about mm. where you start. But yeah, I think entrepreneurship is something that once you get into it and you started it, you can never quit. Mm. It will just <laughs> go wild inside you and you... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've told you that my parents are mm. entrepreneurs, so mm. I just feel like it's always something that I've known I was going to do. Mm. But my brother is actually the complete opposite. He's like, <laughs> I just want to be employed <laughs> and have a stable income. Mm. <laughs> but I've just always, yeah, also kind of had a similar personality where, mm. well, right now I really love the team I'm working with and mm. I am employed, but we are a startup, so mm. yeah. it's still kind of yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I was working at a big company before and I just got mm. so bored <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yeah, I need to be my own boss one day. It's mm. a lot of responsibility, which can be really scary, mm. but it's also very freeing. Mm. Yeah, I think. So. And you decide what to do. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like if you are an employee, you, your life, your, how to say your financial safety is also dependent on your boss. It's yeah. just maybe you have layers and layers of bosses. And nobody's n knowing who's responsible anymore in mm -hmm. the end. But, I mean, you're still, I mean, you're not safe. Nokia failed mm -hmm. overnight. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, what is safe? And actually talking about, like, a safety net to fall back on, how would Sweden compare to China in terms of starting a company? Uh, I, I mean, okay, um, hmm. Hmm. 
I think um, my my parents, like my dad, mm-hmm. also quitted his job, I think, five years ago and started his own company. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so he would be my safety net yeah. if I really have to fail. Uh, I... Actually, I mean, what is a safety net? Do you, you need you need food and shelter, and yeah. that's it. And you always be able to f- find something better. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can always. Um, I don't really know the difference between Sweden and China, to be honest. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, I feel like being a student is also like the perfect time to try to take these risks mm-hmm. because you usually you don't have a family yet mm. you probably don't have like dogs to take care of <laughs> <laughs> anything like that and you can always move back in with your parents yeah. if you really have to yeah. if you're fortunate to have that still <laughs> um but yeah. I, I mean it, i guess it does get a bit harder once you start to get a family and settle down maybe mm. have a mortgage mm. um but then i guess it's about saving up before you take that leap i mean mm. there's like Definitely, I have a lot of respect for people who know they want to start their own venture one day, but mm. don't have the financial means to do it right mm. now, mm. especially depending on the country you're mm. living in. Mm. Maybe they're not so supportive. And then waiting until it's the right time for mm. you to take that risk. Yeah, I think that's the case for my dad. I mean, I think he quit his job after I went to university, mm. and then he failed one or two times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, my parents also had to completely pivot their business idea after 15 years. Mm. They were in e-commerce and then Amazon came. <laughs> <laughs> so business started to not go so well and now they pivoted to do the same exact thing but now through Amazon. Mm. <laughs> uh, so sometimes yeah, you can have things work in your favor as mm. well. Mm. Yeah. So now we're going to go to our rapid fire question <laughs> round. So you'll try to answer these as uh, quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's your biggest role model? Uh, Elon Musk, maybe. Who do you call when you get bad news? My boyfriend or my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you call when you get good news? My boyfriend or my mom. <laughs> yeah, everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your dream dinner companion? Uh, my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> my mom and my dad and my boyfriend. Or, or the family. <laughs> if you weren't and Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't at Allure, where would you see yourself? Um, maybe at um, I don't know a UNESCO project um, in Africa, doing some like. Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> some major work. Some like I mean like cultural. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like to do like some some like ethnography research mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite book? I like Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and your favorite TV show? Uh, I like or movie. Uh, yeah, I like all the sci-fi's and uh, so. Uh, Westworld. Uh, Westworld, not the third season. No. Yeah. Yeah and. Uh, what I like Black Mirror as well. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Do you have any last comments to share with our listeners? Mm. Just I do just it. want to echo. <laughs> I just want to echo you to say I think it's the best time you can start a comp. The best time you can start a company is like during or after your study, because you have 
just clean sleeves mm -hmm. and yeah just don't be afraid it will work out and, and just... it's good to be naive yeah <laughs> and actually especially now during corona mm. hopefully you have some more time sitting at home <laughs> otherwise maybe you've had maybe you lost your job had to pick mm. up another job or two mm. um so maybe you don't have enough free time but if you do mm. uh, or you're studying at home for this upcoming semester mm. Yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> and also see how your university can help you with resources mm -hmm. and maybe also look into what your country has for resources mm -hmm. too. Usually there's pages that outline everywhere you can mm -hmm. go to for funding and yeah. grants. You just have to look for it. They are already <laughs> there. Well, Sila, thank you thank for you. so much for letting <laughs> me interview you today. Thank you for coming here. We're going to go eat some waffle now <laughs> and actually go and look at some more lipsticks probably. So if you want to check out your website, mm -hmm. it's allure.se, mm -hmm. right? So E-L-L-U-R-E yeah. -L -L -E dot S-E mm -hmm. for Sweden. Mm -hmm. And you can pre-order a lipstick there too if you want. Yeah. Do you do international shipping or is it? Um, we don't do international shipping yet, but if you really want to have one, you can write <laughs> us on Instagram. It's at Laura Lipsticks, and then maybe we can find a solution. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, we look forward to seeing how your journey will go in a year in Paris. <laughs> it's exciting. In this episode, we learned about Sila's journey in following her passion to start Allure and how they aim to change cosmetics consumption. I hope it inspired you to reflect on any ideas you may have that you just can't seem to get out of your head. Because perhaps it's time to start thinking about embarking on your own venture. Remember, there's always a way to accomplish something. You just need to find it. Thanks for listening to the Unipreneurs podcast with us. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.unipreneurs.com U-N-I-P-R-E-N eurs.com and be sure to follow us on social media. Everything will be linked in the podcast description.